everybody. It is great to see you today. Would you stand with us, please? Lifting our voices to the Lord this morning.
we're here to worship him this morning, for he is our lion and the lamb. So as we sing this next song, give him all your praise because he deserves it. Amen.
you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you for the truth in that song this morning. Lord, your word says in Psalm 26 that your steadfast love is before my eyes and I will walk in your faithfulness. Lord, we we walk in your faithfulness because, God, it's not our faithfulness. Lord, it's so many times, time after time after time, you can read the history book of our lives, of our country. Lord, we are oftentimes so many, so many times, Lord, unfaithful. And you are always, always faithful. So, Lord, that's when we say we will walk in your faithfulness. It's because you are always faithful. Thank you for the truth from your word. We ask it all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just clap as we're standing and just thank God for his faithfulness? And you guys can have a seat. You guys can have a seat. It's good to be with you. I love that verse. Isn't that powerful? Your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I will walk in your faithfulness. God is so good. Amen. It's good to be with you guys. You guys alive, smiling. I love it. Some of you. <laughs> um, but I just want to say I'm glad you guys are here. You know, one of the things that I get to do every weekend is talk about what's happening. But I love getting an opportunity to just be with you, to sing, to hear you sing. And so uh, this is a blessing to be here at this church. So you guys are awesome. I just want to share with you, our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when we look at all the things that we do, that's the banner. That's why we do what we do. The songs we sing, the kids ministry, the student ministry. You know, just a minute ago, I was over with uh, Danielle over in... um, over in the kids and the students, you know, and Daniel was was sharing the gospel and he was like sharing the gospel. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is why we do what we do. It was such a blessing. And those kids are like hanging on every word, you know, high school students and middle school students. And he's painting and I'm like watching these kids like zoned in I'm like that's the power of God. God is so good. So that's our mission. And so one of the things I want to do is I want to welcome our guests. If you're if you're hanging out with us this morning for the first time, glad you're here. Stop by the Welcome Center as you leave. They'd love to connect with you and just give you something by saying thanks for being our guest. And if you're online, let us know you're our guest. We'd love to connect with you. And just want to share with you a couple of things. One, um, I want to share with you that we have on June 1st. I was told the date was wrong. So that first Tuesday, so disregard that, June 1st, which is that first Tuesday after Memorial Day, we're going to be having our car cruise from 5 to 9. So come up here on the parking lot. Got good, awesome cars, good food, even better people. And I talked about our mission. Listen, people are hearing about Jesus and they're coming into a relationship with Christ during the car cruise. Can we thank God for that? Like people are coming to Jesus during the car cruise. So again, it fits, it totally fits in with what our mission is, to see people come into a growing relationship with Jesus. And another one that we're going to do is we're going to have our graduation weekend on June 6th. We're going to celebrate our graduates. So if you have a high school senior or a college senior, um, please let us know and we'll celebrate them on June 6th. And so you can find more information on the front page of our website. And the last thing is July 12th to the 16th, we're going to be having our vacation Bible school. More details to come would be just get that, mark that whole week off. Even if you can't come, or you can't participate, pray for us that week, July 12th through the 16th, Vacation Bible School. So I'm going to welcome uh, Daniel and Anita. Would you guys uh, welcome the Gonzalez family as they come on stage? Good morning, everybody. Pastor Luke. Uh, good morning, family. Because when I come in this church, I everybody you know, say, hey, Danny. 
Hello, Uncle Danny, the kids told me. Uh, I feel in home. I feel in home. But this is only for the grace of God. Yeah, I am here to say a few testimony of, of that. Because always, you know, missionaries try to share, hey, Ecuador, I was sharing that, the gospel, the jungle, this, the mountain. And we try to, sometimes reports are almost cold. Cold. It's information, dates, it's not uh, testimony. But testimony of God is almost different because we are missionaries, this is true. But sometimes the, the mission is almost, not alone, I can to be, you know, say it's alone. But sometimes we need also somebody who pastor in us, care in us. And in this room, I, a person, this pastor, called me. Many times, sometimes I go in the, somewhere, you know, a pastor, hey, pastor, hello, pastor. We, we start the conversation there. He make a simple question, how are you? How do you feel? How is everybody there in Ecuador? And start a conversation. But uh, I know the intention of the pastor. He's one, how is the missionary? How is the hearts? How is... The family, no? And he know almost everything about us because he was part with the uh, growing my kids. Because also me growing in the kids here, many of your children was in Ecuador. And now I came to see many marriage uh, children. Yesterday, last night, they told me, my son was in Ecuador, now he's a pastor. Oh, blessing God, is moving. and uh, But... A couple of months ago, uh, Pastor Kenny called me and said, Hey, Daniel, how are you? And I was talking something about to the, the vaccine because I said, Maybe I need the vaccine there. Ecuador is so slow. Many opportunities to get the virus because uh, no too much vaccine, no place in the hospital. This is a big problem there in Ecuador. And nobody can go to the hospital because sometimes the hospital say. Uh, maybe this, <laughs> no, take the oxygen to his. So, you know, they don't have oxygen for everybody. <laughs> this is everybody escaped to that. And he, my 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 service to God, sometimes moving to different areas and looking people, especially this time, I was many times uh, funerals. Last uh, two, three weeks ago, we, we have a, a, a lady in one of the, our prayer groups and the study Bible, and his father died. He called me and said, okay, I want to make a service. Can you preach? I was there. And they have the ash because they can't take a body. And they, but when I saw her, I, I get to say, hello, how are you? <laughs> no. She is like his father and say, hey, and then God protect us. Yeah, I tell about that, Pastor say, Come in. I, I Pastor is positive. Say, I want to help you to take a bison and hunter help us to take a bison, fair doses. Tomorrow we had second. And God moved like that. Uh, also we was almost ready last year when Priscilla was graduating in 2020. She was graduate to nurse in Ohio. I bought the ticket, but I can't use it because the COVID came in. And then 
we had a ticket to Miami because always we take a short trip. Plane is cheaper, 300 bucks. Miami, Quito. After that, we get the car. The pastor told me, you are crazy. It's too long way. He said, no, I love to drive in America. <laughs> the roads are perfect. Everything works. The GPS. I had the old GPS, but it's working too. <laughs> Turn right and I put, you know, I love sharing with Anna long ways, eight hours, nine hours. This is nothing for us because we travel in Ecuador. The pastor knows it's complicated mountains. And, but this time he, he, get it, he gathered the ticket, but we don't have to the rest. And Pastor Ken said, come in. I help you to buy a ticket from Miami to Pittsburgh. And here he shared his car. And I moved to Priscilla to the college. And this year, the college called to the 2020 student, too, to get the diploma in person. And finally, God is, God is the son, the goodness of God running after me, but running after and take me. This is the goodness of God. But this goodness is through people, through you. And I was thinking about that. When I arrive, Pastor uh, Kenny is, when coming echo, say, now we want to make a concert. Concert? Sure. Here. Yes. We want, where is the musician? Where is the stage? He say, I want to make a concert. I make a concert in Ecuador. But here is somewhat similar. Yesterday I arrived, say, you want to share about the testimony. Okay. Yes. Okay. We need to be positive. But after that, God put in my heart, a Bible verse. I asked to Luke share with you a Bible verse in Second Corinthians chapter nine, eleven through eighteen. All right, let's just listen to this. So it says, "Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God." This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the word to the missionary, Paul. And he was part of this miracle. Because when we are ready to make an offering, always we come into the church. Sometimes we separate something or looking in the moment. You know, it's complicated to look in what belt. No, you take it. It's better if you have ready. <laughs> because... You take one or hundred. It's not <laughs> oh, yeah, but always we are preparing something and we, we share. No? In the old days, we had a basket. In World of Life, they put the basket in your front. And the guy looking at you. <laughs> you know, but Pastor Ken no, was a World of Life student. And, uh, but you know that. You put the offering and go leave. But after that, what happened? 
this verse shows us what happened. Because we accomplished this part. Okay, I come in, my heart is shared something with God. Sometimes we want uh, reading and teaching about these verses. He's talking about to the offering. If you give God, they put more in you. But no, no, it's not talking about that. It's talking about to the windows. What windows is open when you put the offering? When you put the offering, something happens on the other side. People say, thank you, God, because I received the gospel. Thank you, God, for through this activity or, or this uh, help or like a missionary. In the another side, the missionary received the offering. I was there in Ecuador three years with and so my girl. I came to have the opportunity to say the by sin. My granddaughter born in a pandemic in Mexico. Long way. She looked at me. And Anita, hey, she's looking and laugh. He know my my voice, Anita. She make. <laughs> I am asking if when I come in in person, she say the same guy. <laughs> I don't know. But now we are going to Mexico with the bison through your offering. And you don't know. Now I am sharing about that. But I am sharing. We say, God, thank you. Because I was the opportunity to meet my, my, my daughter. I spending time with her. I was in the college. Now I go in Mexico. I had to go back to Ecuador. We was in Tishy Max. <laughs> this is plus overflowing this is the word overflowing when you make something for God God overflowing in different ways this is my testimony plus people have people my family here is legal thank you it's the time Forts. Many of you, uh, Mark and Dev, Mark, uh, Roger, I'm sorry, is waiting in the class. But everybody, I want to say, thank you, God. The glory is for God. And this is producing for your generosity. Yeah? This is overflowing in different ways, because it's not only me. It's not only me. It's around. This is the kids in the class today. They listen to the gospel. One of the guys, the basketball guy, big guy, say, I, am, I can receive Jesus. The kids, maybe. We was looking the early class, yellow guys in the class. I was with them, sharing the story. They was very curious, asked me, Many questions. I've been in Ohio, another group of kids, they look at me. No, see, it's the same people try to connect with the kids. Say, maybe we are oxid, but the kids here was many questions. I don't know, maybe because we're feeling 
home here. I don't know. But overflowing. This is the word. I want to say thank you, God, for, for your generosity and producing me thanksgiving to God. Okay? And Anita? También produce acción de gracia. It's for me also. Gracias a ustedes. Thank you for you. Por su amor. For your love. Por su cuidado. Your caring. Pudimos estar con Priscila. We was with Priscila. Poder cocinarle. We was cooking extraña. for her. She makes sometimes the, the rice and beans. <laughs> Dejarle en el freezer. Y we put in contento. the freezer. She's very good. Llenarla de besos. Kisses. Many kisses after three years. Thank you for you, your generosity. Can we thank God for them? So, so with that verse and that beautiful message, thank you guys for your testimony. It's absolutely encouraging and humbling, truly. Um, I just want to share with you, again, just, you know, when we give here at Crossroads, we give online through the mail and the boxes on the wall. But that's the, that's the heart is that God would grow that, that heart of generosity and know that once, you know, an, once the offering goes in, God is using it for his glory. So would you pray over our offering this morning? Let's pray. Thank you, God. It's about you, about your love, about your, your offering in the cross for us. The opportunity to have a the directly relation with you. Thank you. We have words for thanksgiving. We want to say thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your care in our life. And thank you for people because the family of God is people. It's not numbers. We are people. And thank you for this church, for the Pastor Ken, for Rhonda, for each family here. Thank you for your blessing. I receive this bless too. We want to say thank you, God. Thank you for this moment too. We want to worship you through the offerings. We say thank you. And I want to say thank you for the generosity to the, the people here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
for you today. As we sing this next part, I want you to open your heart and just reach out and ask him to lead you to trust him today.
All right. Well, I guess that bumper's not bumping there, right? All right. We're glad that you're here today. Can we thank God? What a great God that we serve today. God is so good. Good to have Laura Rensel back in town. Thank God for that this morning. Amen. I feel like I've been to church this morning. This is awesome. I, I want to thank God for Daniel and Anita. What, uh, what powerful testimony. Amen. Uh, that is really what, what, you know, when you see somebody who's telling you, listen, this is God's word being implemented. This is the truth of God that has happened in my life. And I'm so thankful for that. We've been in our series, Remarkable. We're looking at a detailed study of the life of Christ, the story of Jesus. And what better thing could we do than to look at the story of Jesus? In changing perilous times, we've got to find out who this Jesus is and learn who he is more and more than ever before. And so today, um, we're going to be looking at how Jesus was, uh, you know, not totally understood by the people. And I, as we do, I want to just jump in here. This is going to be, I'm going to show you some newspaper clips. This was a classified one ad in a paper some time ago. And I'm going to show you how things can get misunderstood here, all right? On Monday in the classified ads, Reverend A.J. Jones has one Keller TV set for sale. Telephone 626-1313 after 7 p.m. and ask for Mrs. Donnelly, who lives with him. Cheap. <laughs> so you can imagine what kind of calls he got after that, right? So on Tuesday, we regret any embarrassment caused to the Reverend Jones by a typographical error in yesterday's paper. The ad should have read, the Reverend A.J. Jones has one Keller TV for sale. Cheap. Telephone 626-1313 and ask for Mrs. Donnelly, who lives with him after 7 p.m. Still didn't get it right. So people were like, okay. On Wednesday, the Reverend A.J. Jones informs us that he has received several annoying telephone calls because of an incorrect ad in yesterday's paper. It should have read, the Reverend A.J. Jones has one color TV set for sale. Cheap. Telephone 626-1313 after 7 p.m. And ask for Mrs. Donnelly, who loves with him. Hmm. On Thursday, the ad reads, Please take notice that I, the Reverend A.J. Jones, have no color TV set for sale. I have smashed it. <laughs> Don't call this number anymore. I have, been I have not been carrying on with Mrs. Donnelly. She was, until yesterday, my housekeeper. Friday, wanted a housekeeper. <laughs> Usual housekeeping duties. Good pay. Love in, Reverend A.J. Jones. Well, the poor Reverend Jones, he had a rough week in the newspaper, didn't he? And, you know, that's what happens. Sometimes we are mistaken. We are misunderstood. And it's so easy for us. And, listen, in our world today, when you say you have probably been misunderstood many times, people have mistaken something that you have said and, uh, and while that is just something in print and kind of comical, really there's a lot of things in our world that are mis misunderstood and mistaken and people don't understand each other all the time. Well, let me share with you in the life of Jesus that nobody understood Jesus. 
They misunderstood him all the time. They mistake him all the time. Jesus never made the mistake. It was how the people received him. I'm going to show you here this morning. Mark chapter 3 verse 20. Jesus entered a house again and a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. The, the, the people were uh, pushing and shoving. They're trying to get around this master who's, who's giving away uh, the, 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 not just the good news of his teaching, but also all this healing and all the miracles on, and things are happening in people's lives. So the crowd is pushing and shoving and the crowd always wants to be around Jesus, but it's to the point that they can't even eat. And, and, and so his family comes around, verse 21, his family comes around and says, and, and continuing on here, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him and they said, he's out of his mind. And you know, that's what happens. His family comes in, they see Jesus ministering. They see all that is happening in Jesus' life in this ministry and they misunderstand his ministry. All they see is, well, you can't even eat. This crowd is too much. They have already seen, remember just a few verses before, that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, have teamed up with the Herodians, the, the political party, to kill Jesus. And they're saying, what's wrong with you, Jesus? You're out of your mind. And they mistook Jesus for who he is. And then Mark, I love this passage. This is known as a, a, the principle of writing is known as a sandwich. He takes one thing, he puts something in the middle and, and caps it with another sandwich on the end. I want to show you this because you see his family says he's out of his mind. Verse 22, and the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said that he is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. The teachers of the law, the scribes, they came from Jerusalem. And as they came down from Jerusalem, uh, these were the people who were coming to inspect. They were coming to inspect that, the, the, hey, we heard this Sunday school teacher up in Capernaum. Uh, they're in Jerusalem, so they come over to Capernaum and they say, hey, we heard that this Sunday school teacher out here has quite a following. He is, uh, his, his following is big and people are moving and, and they are coming around and, and we cannot let this happen because he's a threat to our authority, a threat to our power. So they come down and they are there to validate. Remember, this was the theologian of theologians. This wasn't just your local religious leaders. This was the big dogs coming from Jerusalem. And as they come down, they said that he is possessed by Beelzebub. Beelzebub. And so, so this is another name for Satan. It was originally a Philistine god. And if you look back in the Old Testament, you'll see this, this Baal. And then um, the, the, they had a conjunction word of the name Baal. Beelzebub here, it means Lord of the Flies. Another reference is the, the Lord of the Dung, the God of Dung. You know what Dung is? That's what they called him. So it was the most disgusting. It was saying, you are so badly Satan. You are Satan himself, saying you are just so wicked and evil. He is possessed by Satan and he, and by the prince of demons. By Satan, he cast out demons. Verse 23, so Jesus called them over to himself and began to speak to them in parables. Hey, come here, guys. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself... That kingdom cannot stand. We see this in our world today. It's still true, isn't it? Our whole world is rocking right now. We're teetering in kingdoms all over this world right now because of division. If it's divided, it cannot stand. He says, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. If your family is divided, it cannot stand. 
you ever have trouble just making a simple decision in your family? Like what's for dinner tonight? You know? Dad calls, hey, what, what, what do you want me to bring home for dinner tonight? And if there's more than two of you, you have more than two opinions. Well, we want Chick-fil-A and we want Fiore's Pizza. And three of you want Brussels sprouts. And I'll pray for you on that. No, I'm just kidding, all right? So, so you, you see what happens. And I heard one pastor, he was saying about how that he had to, 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 to he was going to get family, uh, food for his family. It was, you know, night out and getting the fast food. And, man, he had to go through three different drive-thrus to get his family food. Listen, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so in your house, if, you, if, you're, if your husband and your wife have two different directions, it cannot stand. That's why when, we, when we're talking in premarital counseling, I talk to them over and over and over. Get on the same page. 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 And they hear me say that over and over. Get on the same page. Why? Because a house divided cannot stand. And so Jesus is using this principle that they understood because this is how families work. This is how kingdoms work. But look what he says next. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. So in other words, Satan cannot cast out Satan. Verse 27. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first taking him up, without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. If, I, if somebody comes to break into your house, you don't just sit there and say, Hey, you know, there's a robber in the house. You want anything in the fridge? Just, you know, just, just leave quietly after you're done. No, no, no. When somebody breaks into your house, they've got to take you down. And if they don't take you down, they ain't taking the house down. And, 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 you know, some of you have a rebuttal to that, and I'm glad you do, okay? But listen, you should, nobody should have, if they're going to come in and take you by storm, they've got to take you by storm, not just the house, right? So, in fact, no one can enter a man's house unless they plunder the strong man. Surely I tell you, all sins will be forgiven the Son of Men, and whatever blasphemies they matter. So he says, listen, you, you say that I'm Satan casting out demons. It cannot happen because Satan does not cast out demons. That would be the same house. It doesn't work that way. He said, now let me tell you this. All sins will be forgiven to men and women. Whatever blasphemies they may utter, blasphemy means vilification. Whatever vilification that they may utter. So I, this, is, this is a big thing because Jesus is about to teach something here. And I'm going to be very honest with you before we go to the next verse. The next verse scared the living daylights out of me. And whenever I was a, whenever I was a kid, I read this in middle school and high school, and I thought, oh, no, there's no way. But I want you to remember verse 29. All sins will be forgiven men, women, humans, and whatever blasphemies that they may utter. Thanks be to God, right? The, the Old Testament tells us as far as the east is from the west, so he has forgiven my sins. Thank you, God. That's what he has done. And on the cross, it was settled once for all forever. Jesus paid for your sin. As far as the east is from the west, I am forgiven. I've been set free. But he says this, all sins will be forgiven. He says, however, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. And he is subject to eternal condemnation. And so as a young man, going to church, loving God, I read that verse. And I'll never forget, I went home and I thought, I'm going to hell. 
I thought, I am subject to eternal condemnation. Why? Because, you know, in the Ten Commandments, it says not to take the Lord's name in vain. And I had done that. And I said, well, wait a minute, I broke the Ten Commandments. And, and then, but I, here at the church, they would teach us that, yeah, if you, if you break the Ten Commandments, that's why Jesus came. But then Jesus himself said that the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit would never be forgiven. And it, it is subject to eternal condemnation. And, and, and so when, when you're reading this, you're, you're perplexed and you say, what is he talking about here? And let me just explain this because many people have called this the unpardonable sin. Have you heard of that? The unpardonable sin? Let me explain what he's talking about here. He's not talking about some words that you can utter out of your mouth. Many people have cursed God and are now followers of God. Many people have cursed the Holy Spirit and are now followers of the Holy Spirit, followers of Christ himself. That is the kind of God we have. It's called forgiveness. What he's talking about here is rejection of the work of God. You see what the the disciples did? They saw the work of God and they said, it's evil. And what they did was that they, they saw Jesus in the flesh, and they rejected it, and they said, he's the demon, he's evil. They attributed all the work of the Holy Spirit to a demon. And that was the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And as a matter of fact, he doesn't even say here that they had blasphemed the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm warning you. Listen, you don't give a warning to somebody that's already done it. He says, I want you to understand they are subject to eternal condemnation. All of my sins subjects me to eternal condemnation. That little lie that you told, that subjects you to condemnation. That big lie you told subjects you to condemnation. That offense over here that you, this, uh, that you acted as if it didn't matter, that subjects you to condemnation. That offense that puts you in jail behind bars, that subjects you to condemnation. Eternal condemnation. But he said just the verse before, All sins will be forgiven and all the blasphemies that come with it. All the vilification that comes with it. He says when a man rejects God. And what he's talking about here is this process that somebody would reject God, reject God, reject God, and die in that condition of rejecting God. I know many people, there's many people in our church today that rejected God. They were were resistant. You know, when God comes knocking at your door, answer it. When God's knocking at your heart's door, he's coming and he's talking to you. Answer that call. Because what he's talking about here is a process that happens. And you begin to slowly reject. You slowly reject. You slowly reject. And and many people here are probably wondering, you know, hey, have I done this? Have I rejected God to that degree? And I like what author Lee Strobel says. He says, the fear that one has done so is probably a good sign that one hasn't committed this. For full-fledged apostasy is a defiant rejection of everything Christian and lacks the tender conscience that would be worried about such an action. In other words, if you're even concerned about it, yeah, that means a good thing. Because if you rejected God, you wouldn't care if he forgave you or not. You see what I'm saying? Do you ever get around somebody that says, you, that God of yours is a crutch? That's the beginning of the rejection. But God is going after them. And I've been with some people. I've been with many people. And I love it because, you know what? I just say, okay, you're a skeptic. Skeptics are welcome here. They always have been and always will be because you were once a skeptic. And so what, what happens is the Holy Spirit says, okay, you see that? I'm going after that guy. Oh, he thinks he's tough? He's no match for the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit starts to pursue and pursue and pursue and pursue. But you know what? You can resist and resist and resist, and you can die in that condition. Or, like the Apostle Paul said, behold, now is today. Today is the day of salvation. You can surrender to God. And I've watched many people do that throughout, throughout life. They, they, they have resisted God, resisted God, and then God says, listen, I'm still coming after you. You know, I want you to consider what's happening out in, the, in, in our world today. If you go into Romans, it talks about this grace that God has given to everybody. And one of the ways that he reveals that grace to everybody is through creation. You know, when you, when you, come, when you get up in the morning and you see that sunrise, and especially in Pittsburgh, if, if you see the sun in Pittsburgh, it's a big deal, right? When you see that sunrise, it is a miracle. You're like, thanks be to God. I performed a wedding yesterday. I was out on a uh, perform, right? I uh, officiated a wedding yesterday, all right? And that was on a farm out past Wolfdale. It's not the end of the world, but you can see it from out there, all right? It is gorgeous. And we went on this farm, man, up this gravel road, up the side of a mountain. There's cows over here. And I'm like, this is wild. They had 200 people sitting on hay bales. And we did this wedding. And I was like, okay, God, you were good. You let it sunshine. But as I'm standing out there, I see all of his creation. I'm like, yes. And you see, Romans tells us that that's the beginning of God knocking at your door. He made all this beautiful stuff for you. And you can reject that. Keep rejecting it. Why would God tell you about his son? Why would God send a missionary to you if you're going to keep rejecting it, right? Look over in the jungles of Ecuador. When I go down with, uh, you know, when Mark and I were in the jungles of Ecuador, we saw everything, man. That, it was like creation on steroids. Actually, it's the way it was before we ruined it with cement jungles, right? I mean, you, you look at leaves that, on trees that are bigger than me. It's a big leaf, I'm just telling you. Like, it's just overgrown. It's just beautiful. Like, you're, you're, you're like in awe of the, the, the nature of God. And so God has given to those people in the jungle. He's revealed himself right there. And so God begins to continue to open the door. And as we come before God and God keeps knocking on our door, you say, yes, he gives you more. You say, yes, he gives you more. You say, yes, he gives you more. And so what he was saying here, listen, those people that say no, and they die in that state of saying no. If you die in that state of saying no, that is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So, listen, you may be saying no today. How about saying yes to a baby step? God, I don't understand everything about you. As a matter of fact, I think you're out of your mind. You see, you see, that's that's what the scripture said here, right? That his own family, his mother and his brothers, his we'll call them his half brothers, because after Jesus was born, Mary, Mary then is married to Joseph, and they have a family, a natural family, and so his brothers that were not born of a virgin birth, we'll call them his half brothers. They come and they watch Jesus navigating. They watch Jesus doing these things. They say, "You're out of your mind," and Jesus says, "Yeah, I'm okay with that." You may think I'm out of my mind. I am God. Uh, brothers, you'll see. James ends up going to be the leader. His brother, his half-brother James, ends up being the leader of the church in Jerusalem after he rises from the dead. It was life-changing. It was life-altering. But at this point, they're saying you're out of your mind. So this total rejection. So just clear that up because some of you have heard about this unpardonable sin. Jesus himself said there are no unpardonable sins. The only thing that will keep you away from heaven is rejection of Christ. Amen? Let's thank God for the freedom he's given us today in Jesus Christ.
Mark 3, 31, he continues his family. Oh, by the way, the first point in your notes, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just jumping everywhere. I'm ADD today, all right? Uh, he said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. He wouldn't have given this lesson had he not been talking, had they not called him impure. He says, listen, you're calling, you're rejecting, you're totally rejecting. Here is God in the flesh, and you are rejecting the Spirit of God. So, therefore, he gives that lesson. And I just want to remind you there, um, a couple things about that is, number one, all of Jesus' miracles were, were done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Whenever Jesus did a miracle, the Holy Spirit was involved. You read it, it's whenever Jesus was baptized, you see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, the Spirit comes down as a dove. And so Jesus' miracles from that point on were by the Holy Spirit. His enemies said that they were done by the power of a demon. And that's why he said that they were blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's why, number three, that's why Jesus said that they were blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Because, listen, you've attributed God to the enemy. And that cannot be. You will not call him evil. He is not evil. God is always good. Jesus is the only one who can forgive my sins. Jesus is the only one. Say that with me. Jesus is the only one who can forgive my sins. Now, I want to remind you this here today, that uh, as you look at this passage, remember I said it's a sandwich, so he has this big important truth, but he starts out with his family saying you're out of, his, out of the mind. So there's the, there's the lid of the sandwich. You got the meat. Now, let me give you the other part of the sandwich here, all right? Continuing on, Mark 3.31. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. So here you see them again. They, they call him, and the, and the crowd gathers around, all right? The, so the crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. And how does Jesus respond? He says, Who are my mother? Who's my brothers? He knew that they were out there. He knew it was Mary. Mary and his brothers, they were trying to get him out. You don't understand. They're going to kill you. This tension's mounting. You can't even eat. What's wrong with you? Oh, and now you're, now you're like, like you had the, the top dog theologians show up and you're going to challenge them and you're going to tell them that they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Okay, come on. It's time to get out. This is the intensity that they came down with. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around them and he said, this is my brother's. This is my mother in here. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. In other words, he's saying, this is my family here. The people that have accepted who I am. These people, and, and by the way, listen, in there was Peter. And Peter at one point said, you know, oh, Lord, it's not, you don't understand how this is going to go. I would never do that. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Wow. He looked at these people and he said, these are my family. Even though Peter didn't totally understand, what Peter did was he took a baby step. What John did, what uh, Bartholomew and all the guys did that we just saw listed last week, they took baby steps. And as they took those baby steps of faith, here they see, Jesus says, this is my family. These are the people that are my family. And and let me just share this with you. Many times we're we're like the family. We don't understand what God's doing. Many times we look at events in life and we say, I don't understand what God is doing. God, you're out of your mind. And and you know what? You may not have quoted that verse like that, but you may have felt it. 
You look at things that are happening in your life and you say, God, what are you doing? Have you ever said, if God loved me, he wouldn't do that to me? Have you ever said that? Have you ever said, God doesn't act that way? Oh, God can act however he wants to act. And so, so I, I want to I remind you this because sometimes we misunderstand God. We don't understand. We're like the newspaper article that we, we just don't get it right. We don't get it right. And so what Jesus did here, the, the sandwiches, they don't understand. Listen, they came, they didn't understand. The religious leaders didn't understand. Nobody understood who he was. Either he's God or he's not. And what I want to remind you is when you're looking at things and events that are happening in your life, I want to give you a couple thoughts here today to remember when you don't understand the plan of God. Because I'll tell you what, I don't understand it either. There are many times that I look and I see events happen. I see hurt. I see pain. I see relationships broken. I see health broken. I see finances broken. And I cry out to God and I say, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. That's what these people were doing. They're saying, what are you doing? You're going to die. Don't you know that? And what we do, we look at somebody and we say, God, what are you doing? They're going to die. God, what are you doing? This, we're, we're facing this loss. God, what are you doing? I just want my kids to follow you. I just want my family to be healthy. I just want to, I, I don't ask for much. And we tell God how it ought to be. Let me give you four things to remember here. Number one, remember that he is God and we are not. He is God and we are not. Would you say that with me? He is God, we are not. You see, when I'm in that moment of asking and questioning, God, what are you doing? I have to come back and remember, He's God. I'm not God. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 9.10 says that the fear of the Lord, read it with me, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Do you want to know how to interpret life? With the fear of God. You see, because I see something over there that I can't comprehend. But if I have the fear of God, that is the beginning. doesn't even say you'll figure it all out on this side of heaven. It says it's the beginning. It's the anchor. It's the stake in the ground. Because if he's God and I'm not, then I'm going to have a a whole lot of fear and respect for his might, his power, his guidance, his direction. Number two, God's way is always the best way. Would you say that with me? God's way is always the best way. You know, you're, you're, you're faced with challenges in life. You know, um, many times we have a destination that we want to get to, whether it's in a relationship, a career, whatever. And over here, we have a way that we think we can get to there. Well, God's way is the best way. God may not even want you to get to this. You say, what? But it's a good thing. You don't understand. Let me tell you, God says that his ways are higher than your ways. His plans are better than your plans. His thoughts you can't even comprehend. They're way better than your thoughts. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 7. says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. What happens when I lean on my own understanding? It's wobbly. 
it's, it, it's not, it's not, it doesn't make the grade. It, it's not going to make it. But I can trust the Lord with all my heart. When it says all my heart, that means with all your, everything about you, with all your logic, with all your emotion, with every fiber of your being, you can trust that God is always good. He's always good. Life is crumbling around us. God is always good. And you see when I start there. So here you are. If I lean on my own understanding, my way to get to that destination is never right. It's never right. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And look what he says that he will do. Verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He will make your way straight in, all, in every area. God, I don't understand this. This is painful over here. God, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. God, tell me what to do today. I need you to guide me. I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to submit to you in everything that I do. And then verse 7. Verse 7 up here. We'll throw that up. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Don't be wise in your own eyes. The wisdom comes from the fear of the Lord. Start with God. You know, there's never a time that I know more than God. Never a time that I know more than God. Oh, I'm, I, God's given me a degree of wisdom, but I need His wisdom, which is much higher than anything that I have. Don't think you know more than God. You know, that's what happens whenever I say, God, why would you do that? God, God, and listen, those are legitimate questions. Those are real questions. I don't, I don't fault anybody for asking them because I ask them many times myself. Why would you do that, God? Help me to understand your ways. But there is never a time that I know more than God. As a matter of fact, look what Paul said here in 1 Corinthians 10:13. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. There's no temptation or trial that has come your way that is not common to everybody and on this globe. Uh, you know, if that's where it stopped, that's kind of nice, you know. We got some camaraderie. Yeah, you got problems, I got problems, you know. Woohoo, that's great. We all have problems. But that's not where the verse ends. He says, there's no temptation overtaking you. There's nothing that, is, that happened to you that's not common to everybody else. However, he says, but God is faithful. And, folks, that's the key changer right there, the game changer right there. God is faithful. You know what? For me to know that everybody's going through trials and temptations, that's kind of cool. Doesn't help me much, does it? I mean, yeah, it's really good to know that I'm not the only one who's offended God this way. It's kind of cool to know that I'm not the only one who's suffering uh, with the brokenness of this world, with broken relationships and broken, 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 right? I'm not the only one facing that. The whole world is facing that. However, God is faithful. Do you catch that? The, the, the remedy to our problem is that God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted more than you are able. But with the temptation, he will also make a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. And I want you to think of every temptation you're tempted to, to follow, uh, fall away from God. He says, listen, he's faithful. He's going to provide a way of escape so that you don't have to fall. With every trial that you're facing, he says that he is faithful so that you do not have to think that you're overwhelmed and think that you cannot make it through this world. Listen, you will be able to bear it because of who he is. God's way is always the best way.
Number three, God's timing is rarely my timing. When you're, when you're looking at Jesus and you're saying, what are you doing? And you don't understand God's timing, God's timetable is rarely my timetable. Say that with me. God's timetable is rarely my timetable. It, it's just never my timetable. God often takes a long time to do what we want him to do quickly. And, and Peter told the persecuted church, this is what he says over in 2 Peter 3.8. He says, my friends, do not forget this one thing. Now, I would want him to say, that God loves me, that he will never leave me, he'll never forsake me. All those are good. It's all in the Bible. But Peter's saying, in light of all of your persecution, in light of all your problems, in light of you not understanding who God is, remember this. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. What? That's not the answer I was looking for, is it? You're looking for it to be now. They were waiting for the return of the Lord. They wanted it now. And listen, many of you are waiting for that. The older you get, the more you talk about that. I always wondered when I was a kid, I noticed all the old people talked about God coming back. You know what I start talking about now? About God coming back. I'm like, how'd that happen? I, 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 you know, when I was a kid, if you were 50, I thought you was ancient history. Now I realize that's just the beginning of life. Do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. One day he's coming back. Look at what he says. He continues on in verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And last but not least, number four, in the end, God says we win. Ooh, isn't that awesome? You know, it's like a good Steelers game. Sometimes in the end we win, right? Sorry, Max, I know the Bills. We both had a rough year. Sorry, you know. It's a a consolation prize for you guys this year. We let them in. We let them in. But listen, I want you to catch this. It's better than a game. If you know, if, if, if the game was DVR'd and you heard that the Steelers won and you're watching the third quarter and it looks like a horrible third quarter, You're at least saying, yeah, this is good. We're down 30 points, but we won. And that's what your life is like. I think I'm somewhere in the third to the fourth quarter of my life. I used to think halftime, but I'm like, 100 ain't happening for this bird. I'm definitely in the third quarter and the clock's ticking. But I'll tell you this, what, in the end, it looks bad right now. But God says we win. And Romans 8.18 says this. I, I just got to read this to you. He says, our, you can go home and look this up. I think this is a verse you should memorize. He says that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. And then he goes on to say that all creation is waiting in eager expectation for God to reveal this glory. Folks, Right now, I've got to share with you, my heart is burdened. I'm walking with some people in our congregation, in our community. We're saying, God, this is so hard. And and my heart is broken with these families. And, And as they're walking this journey, I'm telling you one thing. God says we win. 
And the particular people that I'm walking this journey with have looked me in the eye and said, Listen, I know my Redeemer lives. I know in the end I'm winning. But right now, it's not too fun. And we pray with these people. And we can encourage them in the faith. And let me tell you, if we didn't have that, that knowledge of what is coming, that Jesus says we win, we wouldn't be able to play this game. But I'm so glad we won. And you're on the winning team. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you have really struggled. You have really struggled saying, well, man, I don't understand, God. I think you're out of your mind. Why did you do that? Number one, don't attribute the work of the enemy to God. Most of the bad things that you're dealing with in life are not from God. Oh, but he could have stopped that. Yeah, this is painful, and I know that. But, but I want you, number one, don't ever attribute these bad things to God. Number two, God says his glory is coming. And in all those situations, all those believers, his glory the, the, it is coming. It is coming, and it's coming. And that's how it was. In the Old Testament, you read, he gave the prophecy of the Messiah. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And he did. He came. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap the harvest if we do not give up and quit. Father, be with each person here today, Lord. God, for each one watching online, we've all at times not understood what you're doing. But we know that you're God and we're not. We know that you've already won this game. We can trust you confidently, Lord. And so as we look at the scriptures and we see that, that John Mark even shows us here, hey, listen, there was there, his own family, the people that lived with him, and, and they grew up in the same house. They didn't understand who you were. And God, help us today because either you're God or you're not. God, you're driving each one of us to a decision. Are you God? And if you are, that's going to mean a whole world of difference in my life. God be with each person as they make decisions today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, folks, for joining us today. Aren't you thankful to be here today? God's been so good to us. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a great week.
beginning to the end of days. Those words I've heard all my life, and its truth and power will always remain. But as my eyes close and mind awakes, no words come to fill the space. 'Cause words, they don't do your power much justice. It's too great. Too great. Too great. Too great. Too great.